Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's up, everybody? It's Bark After Dark, Jake Rowe, Jake Roos, Rusty Mansell, and special guest. Listen, this is a different Bark After Dark. When you get a, when you get a chance to talk to a guy like the guy we're talking to tonight, um, it's gonna it's just different. You know, it's uh, Matt Goblin, former Georgia director of player personnel. Rusty was big in helping us get Matt on, and Matt, listen, Matt Matt knows how the sausage is made, man. He he uh, he's got a lot of knowledge as to how these, this program has won two back-to-back national titles. And um, thanks to Rusty for, for uh, helping us do this. And, and thanks so much, Matt, for taking time out of your uh, – whatever you got going on these days, man. I don't know. What are you doing these days? Yeah, so um, I, I moved to Atlanta uh, actually on G-Day, which is funny because uh, obviously I was in football. I would have been working that day. But moved to Atlanta on G-Day, and I worked for Wheels Up. It's a private aviation company. So I started that, uh, I guess, about two months ago. Uh, but, yeah, I uh, played some golf today. As you can probably see, I'm sunburnt, but uh, I'm, I'm enjoying it right now. I assume it's a similarly stressful work environment. It wheels up. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's a little bit different, believe it or not. It's a little bit different, but not too much. Yeah, less. I, I I assume less sixteen, seventeen, eighteen year olds to deal with at wheels up than you than you've been dealing with the past few years. How long were you at Georgia? How long were you in that role? Yeah, so for me, um, you know, I went to school at Georgia. I, I did undergrad at Georgia. Um, I did not start working for the football team until August twenty seventeen. Um, so that was my senior year. I uh, started kind of low man on the totem pole, intern. And I ended up doing, I guess it was five years and eight months in the football program. And my last three that years. like a prison sentence. That was, yeah, that? The five, I, I did five years and eight months. You had it down. You had it down. Yeah, so I, I did my time. Um, no, the, <laughs> the, last, uh, the last three years, um, I was the director of player personnel. So that really started, uh, I guess that was January 2020. When my boss before me, Marshall Malco, took a job at Texas A&M, and I got uh, bumped up to the big leagues. So, man, I'll, I'll go ahead. Here. I'll go ahead here. Um, I know we we got a lot to talk to you about tonight, so I'll get right to it. I mean, you worked side by side every single day. God knows how many text messages you got and conferences you had with Kirby Smart. Now that you're away from him, and you you know you spent time, you kind of you know died, you know got away from him. This world. 
what makes Kirby different? What makes that guy so successful? And and what's it like working, you know, three, three years, uh, probably nonstop communication with him? Yeah, I mean, Kirby is so driven, so determined. Um, and that's, I mean, it's simple, but that's where the thing that sticks out is the drive, the determination, the work ethic, the will to push Georgia to the top of college football. Because, look, I mean, we all know Georgia's always been a good football program. And obviously what Kirby's done is amazing. And it's just a testament to just the sheer willpower, the investment in the program, um, the commitment to the fans, to the players. I mean, for him, it is every day, every second of every day. And that's probably the thing that sticks out is just the constancy of it. You know, he never takes his foot off the gas. And there's not many people that are wired that way, believe me. Um, You know, I think everybody needs a, a break here and there. And with him, he just keeps going. And that's that's what separates him from the rest of college football. And, and also, it's the leadership, it's the accountability. Um, you know, he holds people accountable. Um, you know, the way he set up that staff at Georgia is, you know, each coach is really a uh, – they're the head coach of their position. And what that does is it empowers those coaches to grow up and hopefully become coordinators, become head coaches down the road. But it also allows him to hold them accountable because, you know, when you're the head coach of the position, you are singularly accountable for your position. And, you know, he, he has a really high standard and he upholds it every second of every day. And that, that's just the impressive thing about it. I think people can, you know, people can put in a really good five days in one week. They can have a really good two months. They can even have a really good six months. What separates him is that, it is every second of every day throughout the year. And it's been going ever since he got there. So, yeah, I'm oh, trying to over I'm trying, how many times I'm trying to string three hours together. Man. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I'm, I'm struggling <laughs> to put my foot on the gas at all. Like, I, I love the break, I ride the break every day. Um, uh, over under on how many times let's you know set it at like. 300 over the past you know since you've been since you were in that player personnel role that you put in a day a long day and then there's bam 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 text message or bam phone call um of something that you hadn't thought of or something you guys had to deal with you know i mean i'm sure that there was it's it's one of the things i've always heard about kirby was just kind of like okay we did it this way and it was great how can we do it better how often did that those types of situations rise up over the course of those years yeah, I mean, it, it, it happened all the time. You know, if you look at, you know, the football side, you know, I wasn't a football coach, but um, I think someone's got an echo. But, uh, in the, you know, on the football side, you know, we go through the season, season ends, and hopefully January things went well. In January, February, March, you know, they do quality control. They go back, they see what we did. Here's where, our, where we succeeded. Here's where we did not do well. You know, what did we do in the red area? What did we do at the goal line? You know, they go through all these different scenarios. And, you know, he applied that same kind of pressure to recruiting, you know. And and with recruiting, it's on a much shorter, uh, I guess, time basis. You know, with with the football stuff, you know, you're going back over a whole season and it's day after day to quality control. You know, with us, it was like instant reaction. You know, it's we just had this big week of recruiting, you know, what, what did we do wrong? What did we not, 
what do we need to improve on? And it's just constant because you can always get better. I mean, I promise you. And, and that's probably the biggest thing I learned is, you know, I'm like, shoot, we, we did a pretty good job. You know, the people had a great time, but there's always little things you can clean up and his attention to detail is so next level. And, you know, and if you don't buy into that, if you're not on top of, you know, every little thing, you're not dotting your I's, you're not crossing your T's, you know, you're, you're just not going to make it. You're not going to fit in, you know, George is not for you. And there's nothing wrong with that, but you know, th- there is that pressure. And again, it's, it's part of why he's had so much success, but you know, to go back to your question about late night texts and all that, you know, it was something where, <laughs> you know, it never stops. You know, you, you get home after a long day and, you feel like you you did your job and you did what you could do and you watch X amount of players and you did X, Y, Z, but, you know, you get home and you get that text. So you're, you're always on call. You know, you're always needed. And I always felt like that was my duty, my responsibility. And I know the guy that followed me, Will Myers and the staff they have at Georgia, you know, it's the same thing. It's the same expectation. You know, you're, you're always on call. You always need to answer. And, you know, I felt like if I didn't answer, if I wasn't awake, if I didn't have a quick response, if I didn't know the answer, you know, I'm not doing my job. I'm letting the program down. I'm letting Kirby down. I'm letting everybody down. So, you know, he instills that sense of responsibility in everybody. And, you know, everybody kind of follows suit. So how many times have you seen him? How many times have you seen him make the face that's on the screen right there in front of you? Uh, So, um, yeah, I, I had the um, I guess the honor and privilege of in staff meetings. I was directly down the barrel, so face to face with him. So uh, everything came directly across the table. There, there was no there was no question who was directed to. So it's um, now, uh, Matt, I know that it's it's a, a tough job and it, it's a really interesting <laughs> job. Um, can you kind of describe what somebody in the player personnel position even does. Cause I, I think a lot of people would say, well, what does that even mean? Like you said, you're not yeah. a football coach, but you're obviously in charge of uh, one of the key pieces of, of the machine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and you know, let me preface this by saying that, you know, there's different ways to skin a cat. Every, what I've learned is the DPP position at every school is so different. Um, you know, it varies greatly and, at Georgia, there's distinct responsibilities that you may not have to other schools. But, you know, I mean, fundamentally, I think going into the position, you know, obviously you watch a lot of film. And that was probably the part of it that I enjoyed the most was just pure evaluation, turning on tape, giving my opinion. You know, that's the stuff that I enjoyed. And what I found over time is that, you know, really in that role at Georgia, you know, that's probably only 10 percent what you do. And you say, oh, well, that's crazy. Well, what'd you do the rest of the time? Well, the rest of the time you're running around like a chicken with your head cut off. Um, but no, I mean, you're really, I mean, in that role, you know, the way I view it is that your job is to bring information to the table and package it because more information isn't necessarily a good thing. You need quality information. And it's all about the information you bring in and how you package it and how you frame it. And that allows, you know, the organization to make decisions. So, you know, I had a great team around me, um, you know, James Ellis, Cody Collins. There's some different people that, you know, were integral parts of what we did. And, you know, it's gathering film, it's gathering track times, it's gathering all these different things. And 
at the end of the day, you know, we, it's our job to bring it to the table to the coaches so that we collectively can make the best decision possible. Um, and, that, and that's really what it's about. And, you know, there's other parts of it. There's the visits, you know, helping organize that stuff. Uh, Cause you know, you have visits a lot of weekends of the year, um, obviously in June, you know, they're going to have four official visit weekends and that's a very hectic time. And, you know, on the, on the other side of it, and this is kind of what led me to my current role, there's the travel coordination piece. Um, so, you know, during April, May, they have the spring evaluation period. They have the fall evaluation period during the, during the season. Then there's the contact period during December and January. So, you know, you oversee that, you organize that. So really it's a, it's an organizational advisory role uh, is what I would say it is. And there's, there's a lot of different things to go into it. And, you know, you get to work really closely with the head coach. You get to work closely with the assistant coaches. Um, so it's, you know, there, there's a lot that goes into it. Best part and worst part of the job. Um, you know, I think the worst part isn't necessarily specific to, you know, the director of player personnel position. It's just, it's the grind, you know, it's, sure. you know, it's the day to day. And, you know, if you work in football, that's what you sign up for. Um, and it's not just the DPP. It's not just the coaches. You know, we had a bunch of people that were putting in serious hours every week. Um, and you know, that's probably the thing that, you know, in the end got me just being realistic. Um, you know, I think the best thing was just, you know, having those conversations, you know, one-on-one -on -one with position coaches, with the head coach, with coordinators, of, you know, what do we think about this guy? You know, we've seen him, you know, we saw him in the spring at spring practice. We saw him at camp. You know, we've seen some of the senior film, you know, what are we going to do with this guy? And those are kind of the conversations that really kind of kept me around. And, you know, it's, 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 you know, it's awesome to be involved in that. Um, especially, you know, given how young I was, you know, it's like I was, you know, 24, 25, 26 years old and, you know, it's, it's a great experience to be involved in those level of discussions and ultimately, you know, help us sign some pretty good players. So. Matt, two guys I'm going to meet for the first time tomorrow in Nashville, Dylan Riola and Ryan Puglisi. Take us back yeah. to the first time you saw those two guys throw and what was your thoughts? Because really and truthfully, at the time that both of my guests came to campus, it wasn't like Arch Manning or, you know, Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. They didn't have that early buzz, but – Obviously, both of them threw in front of you guys and got offered. What do you remember about those two guys uh, when they threw specifically for you guys? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll start with Dylan and Rusty. I know I've told you the story, but, you know, mm -hmm. with Dylan, it, uh, it all starts with Sean Chappas. Um, you know, Sean Chappas played fullback at Georgia, lives in Athens, works in development, uh, so fundraising. And, you know, uh, Sean was really good friends with Matt Stafford, really good friends with Dominic Rayola uh, from his day with, days with the Lions. And, you know, Sean called me. He's like, hey, uh, he's like one of my former teammates' sons is, you know, he wants to camp. You know, what's the information? You know, how much does it cost? What's a good day? Yada, yada. And he's like, I don't really know much about him. I don't know if he's any good. But, um, you know, just basically make sure that they have a good time. So I'm like, okay, you know, that sounds good. Uh, so sure enough, I, I Googled Dylan Rayola's name. I can't find any film. I can't even find how big he is. You know, I, I, there's not much out there on him because at that point there, there just wasn't, you know, there wasn't much film or anything. Um, so I remember going to Buster Faulkner, who's our 
your lead QC on offense. I was like, hey, here's this kid. He's going to throw with you all tomorrow. You know, let me know how it goes. Um, you know, and, and I remember, um, you know, in our prospect sheets, you know, you have a, you have a CKS section uh, and you where we would put like a meeting or a handshake or something like that. And uh, Dylan Rayola, his first time, didn't have a meeting or a handshake because, I mean, he was, he was a relative unknown. Oh, um, and, you know, he throws. I didn't see him throw a single ball that first time because, you know, when Kirby's walking around at camp, you know, we're watching O-line, D-line, and DBs. That's kind of where we gravitated towards. Or, excuse me, I should say that's where he gravitated towards, mm-hmm. and that's where I followed him to. Um, yeah, I remember after the workout, Buster came up to me. He's like, hey, that kid can really throw it. I was like, oh, yeah, I mean, I was like, that's, that's a good thing. He's like, no, no. I mean, I was like, he, he can throw it. I was like, oh. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Buster yeah. was obviously someone that had a lot of credibility in the building. And, you know, they ended up coming back a week later. And from then on, it, you know, it was game on. Um, and that was that was summer 2021. Um, and after that second time that they came on campus, it was full bore, all in, you know, this guy is the real deal. Um, and it was just, it was very apparent from that camp workout. And it was also, you know, the kind of person that Dylan was, this kind of person his dad was, his mom was, his entire family. You know, we got to know them. We got to build a great relationship. And, you know, obviously he, he committed to Ohio State at one point and he ended up back with, with Georgia. But, you know, they're, they're just great people. He's a great kid. He's determined. He he understands what the quarterback position is about. Um so I went a little bit long on Dylan with Ryan. You know, uh, Ryan was a relative unknown. Um, I think it was spring 2022. Um, you know, Coach Monken went up to see him throw in Connecticut, went to a practice, um, and you could just see just the arm talent, just the ball just jumped off his hand. And after that, you know, we didn't offer him, but we, we you know, we started recruiting him pretty seriously and we got him to camp last summer, June 2022, and just seeing him throw in person. You know, I mean, I, my reaction was, "This guy's going to get someone hurt." <laughs> the I, you know the, the ball just pops off his hand in a way that I've only seen it seen it come off of Caleb Williams' hand. I mean, we had Caleb Williams in camp. I guess that was summer 2019, and Ryan has that kind of arm talent where the ball just jumps off his hand. He's got a compact delivery. Um, he was a good baseball player, which usually those baseball players, their delivery is a little bit longer. But Ryan's got a really compact delivery, mm-hmm. and, I mean, and just straight. I mean, <laughs> he can throw it. Um, and, you know, from that workout, you know, we, we knew he was a guy that we wanted to recruit. And, you know, we knew there was a good chance we were going to need two in that 2024 cycle. So, obviously, we knew of Dylan. Dylan was someone we've been on for a long time, but – Ryan really came into that picture and it was like, this is a guy that, you know, we have to, recruit. We, we don't have a choice. So. Well, I, I mean, obviously the question now becomes <laughs> who's going to win this job when those guys are on here. I'm not going to do that. I'm not, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But I mean, uh, no, no, but listen, I, you know, I am curious, you know, the differences between the two, I mean, you know, just, just objectively, uh, you know, um, you know, the, uh, from a build standpoint, from a, from a throwing standpoint, I mean, I, I would assume there's some probably direct comparisons that can be made between the two guys in terms of what they bring to the table. And like I said, you know, I've said this on, on this podcast, uh, I've said it on the Georgia show. I think, you know, Dylan Ryle is the number one player in America. And that, that carries a lot of weight. Ryan Puglisi, I don't think, 
is very concerned about where Dylan Raiola is ranked. No, and and that's um, that's the thing about both of them is they're really competitive. They both really love football. Um, I think it was I heard Drew Brees say that you know the quarterback position is 75, 80% mental. It's the intangibles, it's the makeup. And I think that's what you have in both those guys. And that's probably the biggest similarity is they're not afraid of each other and they're not afraid of competition. And ultimately they want to win. And I think that's why they all both ultimately committed to Georgia. You know, there's a great opportunity for quarterbacks to come in. You have really good players around you. You have a great coaching staff. You have a pro style offense. You know, there's a lot of positives and they both want to win and they both want to compete. And, you know, on, on the pure football side, you know, they're both 6'2 plus. They're both have, you know, good frames and they both have a lead arm talent. Um, and, you know, elite arm talent is something you cannot teach. And that's just it's one of those things. I do think arm strength can improve. Um, I think we've seen that with Carson Beck just in his time at Georgia. But, you know, at, at the end of the day, you know, every guy has a certain level of arm talent and, you know, it can get a little bit, you know, it can get a little bit better here and there. But the guys that have elite arm talent, you know, they, they stand out and that's what both these guys have. So I'm really excited to see what they do in their careers. And I think, you know, Georgia fans have a lot to be excited about. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Getting more towards kind of the DNA of Bark After Dark and kind of it's more of a storytelling type podcast. So I wanted to ask you, when when I say what's the recruitment you'll never forget, what's the first thing that comes to mind and kind of explain that for me? Because I'm sure you remember a lot of them, but I was just interested to you know learn which one, I mean, it can be in a good way. Obviously, I would we would prefer that. Don't want to put you on the spot in a bad way. Uh, but, uh, but uh, you know, what's one you'll never forget? Yeah, um, you know, for me, there's <laughs> – I always gravitated towards the uh, O-line, D-line, OLB recruitments. Um, nothing against the other positions, but those were kind of my bread and butter. So, there's really two for me that stick out immediately. That's Brian Brzee and that's Jordan Birch. And – you know, I, I guess you remember the ones you didn't get more than ones you did get because, you know, the ones you got, they show up on campus and, you know, everything's gravy. But, you know, I'll start with Brian. You know, Brian was a guy that we were on relatively early. Coach Smart went to see him play basketball up in Maryland. He was actually uh, – Coach Smart, Coach Saban, and uh, Coach Sweeney uh, were all at the same basketball game. But, you know, Brian, we were on him early – we felt like we were in a really good position. He had a great family. Um, he was a great person. You know, Brian Brzee was a true, true five-star prospect. You know, he checked every box. He had the size we were looking for. He had the athletic ability. He had the competitiveness, the toughness. He had the makeup. You know, he had everything. And I'll never forget Trey Scott coming down you know, towards my office and he's like, he's like, Hey, little bro. He's like, 
I don't think things are looking too good with Brian. And I remember, <laughs> you know, he just shot me right through the heart. Um, and Brian Brzee was the recruit that taught me that you cannot get emotionally invested in these kids because, you know, it's you're going to lose battles. You know, I, I don't care what anybody says. Um, you know, we, we lost a ton of battles that, you know, people didn't even know we were recruiting that kid. But, you know, we were behind the scenes and you, you're going to lose probably more than you win, whether you're at Georgia, whether you're at Alabama, whether you're at Ohio State, I don't care where you are. Anybody that says they're getting more than they lose is lying. Just that's just the reality of it. Um, and, you know, I, there were a lot of lessons learned from Brian's recruitment for me. So I just learned to not get attached to these guys. And then Jordan Birch, you know. He, he was obviously a very highly touted player. I know he's at, you know, University of Oregon now with Coach Lanning, but that one was just back and forth. It was all over the place. It was us. It was South Carolina. It was LSU. It was Clemson. And it was so hard to get a read. And it's funny, you know, when Coach Mushamp came over, uh, because, you know, the whole idea, we had no idea what was going on. You know, we felt good, but we didn't really know if we were going to get them. And obviously we didn't. And Coach Mushamp came over and he's like, oh, we were getting him the whole time. It's like, oh, well. <laughs> which I know, but it would take a lot of suspense out of it. <laughs> he's like, yeah, he's like, y'all were never getting that one. I was like, okay, well. Yeah. Oh, similar so, vein. Those are probably the two that stick out to me, but. My list of ten would probably all be O line, D line, and OLBs. So, <laughs> well, I similar vein, uh, but uh, kind of been keeping with it. Easiest recruitment that you remember? Oh gosh, easiest recruitment, man. The you know I don't, I don't know if he was just, Drew Bobo. Yeah, Drew. <laughs> <laughs> that one was pretty easy. Um, that's a good one, you know. <laughs> sure. I think, you know, um, I think Malachi Starks is one that sticks out. You know, Malachi was a guy that ran a really impressive track time when he was a freshman in high school. He popped on our radar because I think he ran like a 10-8 or something like that. Popped on our mm -hmm. radar. We didn't offer right away. And then I think we offered like that August of his sophomore year. And, you know, you saw this guy develop over time because at first, you know, he was a guy that had measurables. He had track times, which that's that stuff we all love. But, you know, you don't know what kind of football player he is. And to see Malachi grow and mature over that time was unbelievable. And he turned into an elite high school football player. And, you know, Malachi first started coming to campus. It was his fall of his sophomore year. And he would just come over and he just loved it. He just loved hanging out with our recruiting staff. You know, he it was all great. He thought it was the most fun thing in the world. It was like he would rather come to our football games and hang out with our staff and hang out with his friends. That's really what it was like. And I don't know if that's true, but that's what it felt like. And, you know, we, we, we you know, there were a couple other schools involved. I think Alabama was involved. I think Clemson was involved a little bit. But really, I think we, we had a strong feeling the whole time. And the whole time, we're kind of like, there's no way it's this easy. Like, there's, there's no way that we get an elite player this easily. And then he committed, and it was like, you know, he never wavered. You know, he, he wanted to play at Georgia. Playing at Georgia meant something to him. And I think that's something you see less and less of. Um, you know, obviously, city of Atlanta and the, the entire state of Georgia – is, is a transplant state. It's a transplant city. 
And, you know, a lot of these kids aren't tied to the area. But Malachi Starks was a kid that was tied to the University of Georgia, and he wanted to come play for us. And it was – it just felt too easy the whole time. It felt too good to be true. So, a kid, a kid that I was wrong on, and I've said it a million times, I actually saw him at a golf tournament, I guess, two weeks ago, and I apologize for the 25th time in person. It's Ladd McConkey. Uh, I tell the story all the time. Everybody in Northwest Georgia came to me about Ladd McConkey. I actually saw Ladd McConkey at a seven on seven the same day I saw Jameer Gibbs, and I left going, I don't know if that kid can play SEC football. So, with that being said, I was com- – three million times wrong. But at some point, Matt, when y'all get into January and some of these things and you wind up having a number and you got a spot, somebody had to stand up on the table for Lad Monkey. Like who was that guy? I was like, this is the guy uh, that can play University of Georgia because he doesn't look like he can't. And he didn't look like he could come out of high school, but he has proved everyone wrong, but somebody had to be all in on him. Yeah. And I'll, I'll take a step back, you know, with Lad. He popped onto our radar after an opening camp. Um, Lad, he went up to Nashville, which is not far from where he's from. He, I mean, his route running was crisp. He looked really, really quick. It looked like looked like he could run. He ran a four five five forty um, at that camp, and that's kind of what got him on our radar. Uh, but really, you know, if I had to give credit to one person, it would probably be Todd Hartley. Um, you know, there, there was a little committee of about five of us that respond, was responsible for kind of digging into some of these low-key in-state guys. It was me. It was Todd Hartley. It was Marshall Malco, my predecessor. It was Montgomery Van Gorder, who's a QC, still on staff. And then uh, a guy, Nate Bryant, who's a QC on the defense side of the ball. So the five of us were kind of in charge of really digging into our in-state talent pool and, you know, combing over everyone, making sure we weren't missing on anyone. But I'd have to say that Todd Harley was kind of the head of the committee, and he was the one that really spearheaded Lad's recruitment. And, and obviously, you know, he's had a great career, and, you know, it's, it's, it's awesome to see. So, How – as far as time of year goes, when you start talking about putting in long hours, my God, when is this going to end? What time of year is that for – what was it for you, and, and was it – because I know different times of year is just different types of work. It's the, 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 look on his face, the look on his face is implying that that <laughs> did not happen. <laughs> ever, ever. No, like, like for us, like, we'll, we'll, I mean, I'll tell you right now, like football season is wild, but I mm-hmm. prefer it over anything else because our work's cut out for us and we can actually do it. You know, like we can actually get after it. Whereas this time of year, we're just trying to find something to write about. And it's kind of, it's kind of annoying. So it, what was the part of the year that you kind of dreaded the most in terms of your job and, and made it hardest on you? Yeah, I mean, I think there's three months that stick out. Um, it's December, it's January, and then it's June. Um, you know, June, you know, the challenges it brings, you have a full month of people coming on campus. Uh, you know, first of all, you have 10 camp dates. And then really the last two years – that's when the majority of your official visits happen. So, I mean, I remember, I guess it was, you know, summer 2021, we had three consecutive camp dates. We had a three-day official visit, and then we had two camp dates after that. So in a span of eight days, we have an official visit, and we have five camp days. 
And, you know, we were all just looking around at each other like, holy hell, like what just happened? Um, so I think June, just, just so much happens in June. And June has always had significance because of the fact that it's your camp time. But the official visit factor has ramped it up even another notch. Uh, so June and then December and January, um, you're, you're dealing with enrollment. You're dealing, you're dealing with your mid-years. Um, and, you know, the process of getting them into the school is, is a little bit challenging. And then you have your official visits as well. And then you have the contact period. And, you know, the contact period, I think it's pretty well documented. You know, there's different articles and things out there about how much we spend on private travel. And you know, the reason is we're trying to get bang for our buck. We're trying to have assistant, not only the head coach, you know, the head coach, you know, Coach Smart would see three to four guys in a day, and that was the standard expectation. And the only way you do that is private plans. That's the only way. But we're trying to have our assistant coaches, our coordinators, see two to three guys a day. And, you know, I think early on at Georgia, you know, we did a lot of area recruiting, um, and that's kind of the – that's like the legacy college football stuff, if you will. You know, areas were very prominent back in the day, and – they were even prominent 10 years ago and they're still prominent at some smaller schools. But, you know, we started out as a big area recruiting program and we shifted to a position recruiting program. And the reality is, is if I'm recruiting wide receivers, you know, there may be two or three receivers in the Dallas area that are signable players for the university of Georgia, but that's probably it. You know, there's not five, there's not six, there's not seven. So when you recruit by position, the talent is not as concentrated. So what do you have to do? You have to be on the move. You have to fly. You have to go different places. So the coordination of all that travel was something that was really challenging. But at the end of the day, you know, we, we got to see the right people. Because if you don't go see them, you don't go see them at the right time, you don't have a chance. You know, you could do everything right for 99% of the race. But if you mess it up at one, you know, that last 1%, you lose them. And as we know, you don't get anything for second place. So, um, Matt, I'm curious, you mentioned June and, and the importance of these official visits <laughs> that are coming up. And, um, you know, I listen, you're going to have a window into this better than anybody, man. What are these kids going to do? How are they going to spend their time? What does an official visit weekend in, in Athens look like for these guys? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know that they have a big weekend coming up. So, um, you know, I won't go too in depth, but, you know, really in, I think that every school does things a little bit differently for visits, but at the end of the day, it's more or less the same stuff, maybe in a different order or different things. But, um, you know, they're, they're going to show up on campus. They're going to check into their hotel on Friday. They're going to go eat dinner at the stadium on Friday. Uh, they're going to have a little bit of, you know, a social hour. They're going to get, hang out with some players. Parents are going to get to hang out with coaches. Uh, Saturday, they're going to wake up. Um, and really, you know, they're going to see a little bit of campus. You know, we, we take them over to Terry College and, you know, they're going to see the facility um, because, you know, most of the guys that have been on, they're on an official visit have seen the facility. But we do a more in-depth tour where they get to know, you know, the strength coach. They get to know, you know, who runs the nutrition program. They get to know who runs our sports medicine program. So it's a little bit more involved, a little bit more in-depth. Um, they're going to eat dinner Saturday night. Um, and then, you know, Sunday is all meetings. It's 
meet with your position coach, meet with the strength coach, meet with the head of nutrition, meet with your coordinator, meet with director of player development, you know, meet with academics, meet with coach smart ultimately. And, <clears throat> and that's kind of the last meeting. So, uh, you know, it's, you know, I think for the families, it's, it's very fun. It's very exciting. Uh, but it's also exhausting. And we also, you know, they, they get fed a lot. <laughs> um, so th- yeah. those official visit weekends are dangerous for the easy gainers uh, like myself. <laughs> Matt, We're Matt, trying to figure out how I can get on one of those official visits. Right? <laughs> uh, Matt, your last class obviously will be this 2023 class that you recruited from the start and got signed. Give me one guy that you're confident in. Right now, before camp, fall camp ever starts, give me one guy of that class that you're confident is going to be a really good player. Yeah, I got to go back to my bread and butter. I'm going to go OLB. Um, uh, Damon Wilson. Um, and, and, again, I'll kind of give you the background. You know, Damon was a guy we were really high on. Um, but, you know, at the, on that OLB board, there were a lot of names. And, you know, c- going into last April, May, we were trying to, you know, clean up that board and figure out, you know, who we really wanted to invest our time in. And I remember when Chidera um, went to see Damon Wilson practice, it was like, this guy's a real deal. You know, we, we, we liked him beforehand, but seeing him compete in practice, seeing the get off, seeing all the traits, it made it very apparent that, Damon was a guy we really needed in that class. Um, and, you know, he's a great kid, great family. And, you know, with him, you know, with edge rushers, you want, you want ball get off, you want flexibility, you want power, um, you want the ability to change directions and drop in coverage. Um, you want physicality. And, you know, I think Damon checks a lot of those boxes, but, at the end of the day, you know, football, you know, we can make it as complicated as we want to. And Kirby would always say this, but at the end of the day, football is about one-on-one matchups. And that's that's it. You know, <laughs> there's a there's a multitude of reasons why yeah. we beat why we beat Alabama in the national championship. But one big reason I can point to is we got Jalen Carter matched up one-on-one against their center a lot of times. And Jalen Carter was our best player. And it paid dividends for us. And Damon is a guy that can win one-on-one matchups. And that's what you need on third down. That's what you need at that position. So I'm excited to see what he can do. Um, you know, I think he's got to add some strength. I think he's got to get a little bit bigger. He's got to get more physical. But just in terms of his ability to get off the ball and bend, you know, he's got what you're looking for. So I'm very excited to see what he can do this year and – in years following so you've had a few kirbyisms that you've kind of shared with us but i was in i'm interested to know after hearing you talk say what you did about trey scott a minute ago kind of a sound like you guys he called you a little bro so you guys had a little bit of a relationship there um what coach still at georgia not georgia impacted you the most like professionally outside of kirby they kind of built that relationship maybe taught you more than somebody else who kind of who kind of breathed into you that way um, you know, for me, I think it, it's really two guys. It's it's Trey Scott and it's Todd Hartley. Um, you know, Trey was really the first coach that I ever had contact with. And that that was fall 2017. I'm a student, you know, 
and I shouldn't say this, but I remember sitting in his office watching tape, brutally hungover. <laughs> that's, that's our kind of guy, right? Yeah, there. Yeah, that, 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 all right. With, yeah, you're 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 perfect for bar yeah, I'm, I'm still a student, <laughs> there, you know. So it, it's par for the course, given that I'm still taking class and all that. But you know, Trey, you know, he was with me the whole time, and you know, I think he he held me accountable. He put pressure on me um, to kind of learn and grow. Because look, I was. You know, when I got that, that director of player personnel job, I was 23 years old. I was young. There was a lot of things I didn't know. And, you know, Trey, you know, he, he kept it real. You know, that's the easiest way to put it is help me accountable. And, you know, I think he kind of drove that maturity to an extent. And the other guy I mentioned, Todd Hartley, um, you know, Hartley didn't get there. I guess it was till the 2019 season, but. You know, Hartley was a director of her personnel himself for Coach Rick. Uh, so he had kind of been in the shoes and, you know, he, he he kept me cool is what I'd say is, you know, in football, you can get worked up, you can get emotional. And I think Coach Hartley, you know, he's very faith driven and, you know, he is a great way of kind of coming back to center, you know, calming himself down and, you know, I think his perspective kind of taught me that, you know, something may go wrong, but it's not going to do you any good to hang your head and just sit there feeling bad for yourself or whatever. You know, you got to keep going. You got to make sure that mistake doesn't happen again. Um, and, you know, his perspective, I think, taught me a lot. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, now I'm going to give you one same thing. And you just mentioned being hungover best, uh, coach you worked with to go get a beer with. I mean, there's, there's the one and only William Larry Muschamp. That's, that's the guy right there. No questions asked. <laughs> Uh, absolutely. Oh, man. You pick up on it, too, in interviews, like the one that college football playoff, and he's over there giving kind of ribbing Kirk Herbstreet, and Kirk Herbstreet's not there to defend himself. Yeah, you you pick up on that. I'm sure there were some good laughs. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, I mean let, let me just say about, you know, Will Muschamp is he's incredibly bright. Um, he's incredibly accomplished. He's been a lot of different programs. He's won different places. And, you know, the thing that stuck about to, about him was, you know, A, the personality is incredibly funny, but, you know, just no ego. You know, for a guy that has made as much money as he has, has as much success as he has had, you know, there, there was just no ego. You know, he was just – he was one of the guys, and, you know, it was all about going and trying to win. And, you know, just interacting with him, you know, I learned so much – um, not so much about my job in the profession like I did from Trey Scott and Todd Hartley. I learned so much about football from Will Mushan. I mean, just his catalog of knowledge 
the players he's seen through the years. I mean, the player comparisons that he and Kirby would make, I mean, they would dig deep. And it was guys that, I mean, I didn't know. I mean, fuck it. You know, he, 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 <laughs> he used to this guy at Auburn in 2006. And you'd have to break out Google and see who the hell he's talking about. But, um, you know, just the, the catalog of knowledge and just so insightful, great evaluator on the defense side of the ball. And you just look at his record. I mean, the number of players he's put in the NFL, I mean, it's, it's really impressive. So. Yeah. Word has yeah. it he did have an ego at one point, but those croquis he's wearing on those glasses right there just, <laughs> yeah. just strangled the life out of that ego. That's right. That's no, right. I was I got one question right quick before I get Go ahead, go ahead, um, go ahead. Um, you mentioned Todd Hartley, and he's a young – he's a young uh, – uh, Matt, I think that's you dinging because we might be getting the same text messages. Um, yeah, I know. <laughs> the um, – you mentioned Todd Hartley, obviously, as a, a young alpha kind of, you know, elite recruiter. Uh, talk about Glenn Schumann. Not only uh, obviously well-known that he turned down or the Philadelphia Eagles made a serious run at him, but his room is as stacked as anyone, and he's put guys in NFL. And uh, what, what makes Glenn Schumann obviously a young person that Kirby Smart believed in and brought in, but what have you seen growth-wise and what makes him so successful as a recruiter? Yeah, I mean, with Coach Schumann, I mean, obviously he got the inside linebacker's job when he was 26. I mean, super young. Um, you know, Schumann, the attention to detail, um, you know, and that's something that I keep bringing up over and over. And I'm just getting crushed over here. So. <laughs> <laughs> I watch, I'm watching Palmer in the background yeah. over here. He's just losing it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But Coach Schumann's attention to detail, um, you know, he every week, you know, he watches about 20 NFL linebackers. He watches linebackers from the SEC, all different conferences, and it's to pull clips. It's to compare his guys to them. And, you know, th that is something that is going above and beyond. You know, obviously – you know, coaches are going to watch NFL film. They're going to watch different things to try to get ideas from other people. But I think Coach Schumann takes that to a whole other level. Um, I mean, he's a, he's a grinder. And, you know, when it comes to recruiting, I think his organization is really what sticks out um, is consistency. You know, to be an effective recruiter, you have to be organized because if you spread yourself too thin – you know, you're not going to bring guys in, you know, you're, you're going to be in their top three and their top two, but you're not going to reel them in. And I think he's a really good evaluator. And I think he did a really good job of managing who he recruited by limiting the pool. And for him, that brings on a little bit of risk because you're recruiting a smaller pool. So your margin for error is a little bit smaller, but you know, to get high quality players, you know, you, you got to invest time and energy in them. And I think that's what he does is he limits the amount of people he recruits and he really goes all in on the guys he is recruiting and he builds great relationships. And obviously, I mean, the proof is in the pudding. I mean, that position, you know, that room is, I think, the healthiest room on that roster for now and for the future. And it's a testament to him. It's a testament to the work he's done. And 
and obviously, you know, the fact that he was able to put Roquan Smith in the top 10 in the NFL draft, I think that helped tremendously too. I mean, that gave him the credibility um, as a young coach to go into those big recruiting battles and bring out some impressive prospects. So, you know, on the whole, I mean, Schumann is super detailed. He's very intelligent. I mean, great evaluator. I mean, just all around. And, you know, obviously he's very loyal to Kirby. Um, I mean, I think Coach Smart loves him. And he's been with Kirby for, I mean, I guess 15 years. Um, so he's been God, by his God, side for a God long bless time. That. God yeah, bless so. that man. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. So, uh, but he's he's been there for a long time. He knows, you know, the way a program should run. He knows the way the head coach thinks. And, you know, it's it's been cool to see him develop into being this defensive coordinator. And obviously he won a national championship in his first year as defensive coordinator. So I'm excited to see what he continues to do at Georgia and, you know, we, what he does in the future as well. So. Yeah, you mentioned the future, and uh, Rusty asked you about that 2023 class. And look, I know you're not, uh, you know, director of player personnel anymore, but I'm sure that you're not disconnected from the world of Georgia recruiting in any respect. I'm curious if you if you take Puglisi and Raiola out of this thing, is there a guy in this 24 class uh, for Georgia that catches your eye in, uh, right now? Oh man, that's a good question. Um... You know, I, I'm a I'm a personnel guy at my core, um, and personnel is all about size, speed. Um, so I think the guy that probably sticks out to me is Dwight Phillips. Um, your speed is something you can't teach, um, and he has elite, elite speed. And on top of that, you know, I think running back is a position that continues to evolve, and it's evolved tremendously over the last ten years. But at the end of the day, if you're playing running back and you can't catch the ball, you're not going to play in the NFL. That's just point blank. That's the truth. And Dwight is not only a good receiver, I mean, he's so good that he actually played wide receiver some for Pebblebrook. Um, so he's got really good receiving ability, and he can just flat go. And when you have that kind of speed, you know, you're, you're able to create 60, 70-yard touchdowns. And that's the stuff that just kills defenses. And that's the stuff that kills, you know, that's what keeps defensive coordinators up at night. You know, and it's not the guy that's moving the chains for four, five, 10, 12 yards. It's the guy that can go 80 and bang and you're down by seven points. So, and I think Dwight has that ability. I'm stoked, I'm stoked to hear that because I feel like Dwight Phillips is an under-discussed piece of this 2024 class and seemingly locked in with Georgia and a tremendous player. So very cool recommendation. I'm glad to hear that from somebody who knows a lot more than we do, which is not a lot. <laughs> Are we ready the, to get to the Mark uh, the Mark questions? Or? Let me get one last question. Then. All right. Uh, yeah. Matt, give me one minute on this. And all, these guys got to have their, have their show. Uh, the, the the Brock Bauer story has been told many times, running hills and all the videos and all that. But you spend a lot of time around him. I've heard crazy stories about how much energy he uses at practice. Give me one minute on Brock Bowers. Yeah, Brock um, has, I think, the best work ethic from a player that I think I've ever seen. And, and we've had some really good players that have worked really hard. But from day one – 
I've never seen a player hit the ground running like Brock Bowers did. I mean, it was like this guy walked into our program and he was ready to roll. I mean, first rep of his first spring, he was ready to roll. And his level of preparation, level of detail, um, work ethic, I mean, it is next level. So much so that I think the coaching staff has to kind of reel him back in a little bit because his, you know, just natural instinct is to work himself to the brink because that's all he knows. You know, he's a competitive guy and – you know, you you kind of got to slow him down a little bit. You know, you gotta you gotta pull him out of some practice periods. You gotta take him out of certain drills because all he knows is 110. percent And it's a cliche, but with Brock Bowers, it it cannot be overstated. You know what his level, you know, of intensity is. And before we get into the questions, one last thing on Brock. He had that senior season off because they didn't play in California. Did you guys know that? I mean, like, like, did you know he was this dude before he got here? Because, you know, we knew he was a good player in the recruiting world, uh, you know, what we do. But I'm curious, was it that clear to you guys? This guy's clear-cut five-star, no question about it, easy. Yeah, I mean, I think you know, we had Brock. You know, he, he, was, he was number one guy on our board. You know, he was the guy we wanted. Um, he ran a four five five forty at a Nike camp. Um, you know, his dad played college sports. His mom played college softball at Utah State. She has a statue on Utah State's campus. His sister played volleyball at Sacramento State. You know, a great family, great athletic family. And, you know, I think, you know, we, we like the tape. We like the athletic ability. And then in COVID, you know, Kirby put a lot of pressure on our staff to get these videos of guys working out because, you know, everything was canceled. You know, during COVID, there was, there was no practices, there was no camps, there was no nothing. So, you know, what we did, and I think we did a good job of it, was we went out to kids and we asked for workout video. You know, we pulled old workouts of, like, Lewisine and some different guys, and we'd send the kids and say, hey, you know, I want to see you do this workout. <laughs> And I think that's where we got a leg up on people during that COVID period. And Brock, you know, the thing about him was, you know, we're getting videos from Javon Bullard. We're getting videos from Kamari Lasseter, different guys. We're not asking videos from Brock Bowers because we kind of know he's, you know, he's, he's a good player. And Brock would go out of his way to send videos to us. You know, like, here's what I did today. Here's what I did in the morning. Here's what I did at night. And that work ethic just stood out. And you know, we, we, we could never say that we knew he's going to be he was going to be as good as he's ended up being. But we, we were definitely very high on him as a player and a person. So. Rock and roll. Good deal. Well, hey, we got a couple questions. We ask everybody who comes on Bark After Dark. They're not football related uh, because most of what we do is not football related. Uh, but this has been a ton of fun and we really appreciate it. I'll go first. Um Listen, uh, you know, you you uh, you sound like a dude knows how to have a, to have a good time. Uh, let's say you had too good of a time and, you know, we, we found you, you know, and, and, you know, face down in a ravine somewhere, you've perished. You're done. But, you know, you get a chance to organize your own funeral. Uh, who's who is uh, performing, speaking, whatever at that funeral? It can be comedy. It can be music. It can be a eulogy. Who's uh, who's doing the thing at that funeral? Oh, man. I think I'd have to go the comedian route. Um, 
I think we'd have to get like a Chris Rock or a Dave Chappelle, maybe. Ooh, yeah. Like um, for that route. Um, of performers, man, there's not one I can just pick out. Yeah, I like the old stuff. So this, this is a young of, man, and we're making most of people I listen mentality. to. This is not great. <laughs> <laughs> most of uh, most of the stuff I listened to was made 40 years ago. So yeah, hey, that's the bet. That's the good stuff, dude. That's the good stuff. You're the second person I think we've had. You know, mention a comedian. I believe Brandon Adams said that uh, he would have uh, Don, Don Rickles, Rickles wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Don yeah. Rickles. So you're the second. You're the second guy to bring a comedian. And the and the more I hear it, the more I think I might do the same. Yeah, I think I might go Bill Burr. Just have him roast me at my own funeral. Okay. <laughs> I'll leave that in the mood, you know. I think yeah. everybody's a fan of that. Maybe not my mother, but yeah, probably a lot of people happy anyway. <laughs> All right, so Matt, my question for you, uh, director of Georgia Player Personnel. I assume. You've been around a little bit. You've done some traveling as a result of all of that. You're working with Wheels Up and a, uh, a travel company right now. So you're, you're kind of all over the board, man. The worst hotel room that Matt Godwin has ever stayed in was where? Oh, man. It's, it, it's not anything work-related. Um, okay. God bless my mother. Um, but uh, <laughs> I have some family in Missouri. <laughs> and we went to a wedding in the St. Louis area. And this was before I could drive and could I have been able to drive? I think I would have just gotten us that extra two hours, but (laughs) drove for about seven hours. We stopped in Paducah, Kentucky. Oh, been there. And stayed at a motel six smokers room. Oh no. The smokers (laughs) room. Beautiful. Um, And it's one of those things where if I had been able to drive, I would have just gotten us that extra way. But, you know, I'm 13 years old, um, and we stopped at a Motel 6 in Paducah, Kentucky. So, there you go. And now, and now you have lung cancer. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Motel I'll 6 right beside the heart. I'll yeah. show my age. That's the hometown of Tim Couch. Yeah, it oh, is. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, I remember seeing that. I remember that from seeing it in a magazine from way back in the day when he was getting recruited. Tim Couch, Paducah, yeah. Kentucky. Russ, oh, did you cover him? Uh, no, but I, follow, I was following. I was following recruiting, man. I can assure you. Uh, I yeah, I was too, man. Uh, I've got, I've got some stuff over here. I got some stuff over here. I'm embarrassed to show from like 1989 recruiting. So ever since Garrison Hurst and Andre Hastings, I, I've kind of been hooked on recruiting, man. I, the I, the, the first signing guys. class I can remember uh, was the one Bobo signed with. Year. Yeah, so that yeah that didn't turn out well, but uh, we'll go for, we'll talk about that. Garrison Hurst and Andre Hastings class. Oh man, yeah, man, I got some buddies in that class. I get roasted with that. So Matt did well. He had a, he dropped the f bomb about being hang hung over. He fit right in. I bark after dog. Yes, he did. First for the show, I think. I believe that may have been the first. I think we're going to have a meeting after this. We're going to have a meeting after this to see which Jake has to has to leave the show and let Matt come on and do it. We'll do it from here on out. That's how it's got to go. Hey, dude, thanks so much for coming on, man. We appreciate it. It was that was a lot of fun, and uh, we uh, we'd love to have you on again sometime. We'll find out, you know. Maybe if you can get some interesting stuff going on, wheels up. Maybe some celebrity stories or something. We can get some of those. Also, maybe. just maybe we need a plane sometime. <laughs> 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 There's a long list of that. Let me tell you. 
Thanks, dude. We appreciate Thank it, man. Matt. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it, Matt. All right, man. So uh, that was a lot of fun. And we the rest of you hanging out? Uh, no, I'm not hanging out. But let's, let's, okay. yeah. <laughs> let's do a uh, – yeah, you're still on here. Let's do a wrestling podcast right now. <laughs> right. Let's go two hours. Just, oh, my God. Like Rusty, Joe Rogan Rusty, over Rusty, here. Rusty's ISP is uh, the same as Palmer's uh, <laughs> back like six months ago or whatever that was. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, dude, Rusty, Rusty nailed it, man. An F-bomb. Uh, uh, I was uh, brutally hung over. Um, yeah, uh, and dude, and, and dude, I drop in Will Muschamp's last name. I or, uh, middle, middle, name, name, yeah. middle name, I'd never heard it. I'd never heard it. Here's the problem I mean, it's kind of like me, right? Like, I, I can't say that about anybody, but my name's not Jacob, my name's Jake. Nobody yeah. does that, you know. True. Who names their kid Larry? Uh, well, um, uh, that's Lawrence, right? Well, but you've also got my you, you got Johnny, right? My buddy Johnny, yeah, yeah, he's Johnny. Oh, okay, yeah, he's yeah. not Jonathan. Yeah, and and one of the folks we uh, you know we're going on vacation here um, Saturday. We vacation with another couple, and uh, her name is not Rebecca; it's Becky. So um, you know, yeah. So that's uh, that's just kind of the way it goes, I guess. But yeah, I mean, I mean, but but a middle name, you know, like William Lawrence Muschamp sounds more like a <laughs> like a name name, especially a um, a uh, what what school is that? I'm, Darlington. I'm Darlington School. Yeah. Name. Yeah. yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah, come yeah, on. Yeah. Esquire. But Esquire comes after that most of the time. Yeah, I thought I, I was hoping he kind of. I was kind of hoping he was going <laughs> to say Todd Munkin. I really was. Um, yeah, because you know John Lilly's told me before that Todd Munkin is the kind of guy that you kind of want to have a beer with. I mean, like, um, not, how, how sick really would it have been though? Like, if it was if it was Kirby Smart, if he was like, <laughs> yeah, like if you get him, if you get him in the right spot, Kirby's the dude. You know? Yeah, yeah. That I'm not that would love it, but. That wouldn't make a little bit of sense, though. But uh, um, all right. Well, uh, listen, I don't. I don't have a whole lot. I, I had a question I was thinking about earlier, but we had so much going on on that show. Uh, do you have a question for me? I do, actually. Yeah, I, I, I do have a question for you too. Why were you drinking what you were drinking earlier? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, uh, what are you drinking? We didn't uh, even do that segment. Well, was, I was. Um, I was drinking a rant. I mean, I was just. Oh, you were drinking yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, so I'm drinking uh, what's called a loyal lemonade. Uh, these things are malt liquor. They're horrible, uh, but they're not alcohol. And so they get the job done. Uh, Steel they're, reserve. They're, they're, actually, they're actually they're, they taste pretty good. Uh, they're just sugary. So you should yeah. only have like one of them. Yeah, uh, most malt liquor does taste pretty good. Yeah, they're, they're kind of gross, though. Um, and I believe I'll be honest with you. I don't really know how this got into my fridge. So um, <laughs> it may be laced with something. We'll find out later. Um, <laughs> LSD. <laughs> All right. So my question for you tonight, Jake Rowe, one of my, one of my good friends here in town um, is doing a burger challenge. So she challenges every year she's doing, um, she does like last year, it was 2022. She cooked 22 soups. All right. So 2023 is her burger year. What is the Jake Rowe burger? That's what I want to know. What goes on the Jake Rowe perfect burger? Man, I am so I am so basic when it comes to a burger. Okay. Now, I like mushrooms, but I don't have to have like mushrooms on the burger. We'll just say this. 
I love basic about mushroom adding mushrooms to it. I know, I know, but it's not a it's not a go to for me. Like I don't okay. ever do that okay. for myself. Right. I'm a, I've become a big Smash Burger fan. Yep. Um, simply because of the ease of it. I can't tell you how many burgers on the grill I've burnt trying to make kind of the thick burger thing. Um, I always kind of cook them a little bit too long. Um, not because I'm scared of rare meat, because I'll eat. You I mean I, I'll eat tartar all day long? Like I'm. I mean, you know, I'm not scared of rare <laughs> yeah, meat. Buddy. Yeah, all. it's not a problem. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's just you know, trying to get kind of a crust and do all that stuff. So I become a smash burger guy. But let's say, you know, let's say I go to Five Guys. Okay. Um, if I go to Five Guys, no, you no, know, no, no. I don't want you to go to Five Guys. I, I'm saying I'm, with, I'm you, cooking my own you, burger. Yeah, you get to make this at your house. What are you dressing it with, man? Okay. Um. All right. If I, if I had my druthers, if I got to do exactly how I wanted to, mm -hmm. I would make kind of a McDonald's-style special sauce. Okay. A um, little bit of ketchup, mustard, mayo, uh, light on the ketchup um, with some dill pickles in it, with some dill pickle relish, um, okay. some some seasonings, garlic powder, all that stuff. I'm kind of – my mouth's kind of watering a little bit. <laughs> Get a little hungry. About to be, about to be a uh, post-mark after dark burger tonight. Yeah, about to be. I got some smoked chicken legs in the fridge. I'm about to go eat them cold. Oh, oh dude, those are done for. <laughs> <laughs> toast. Absolutely toast. Um, just, I mean, Palmer knows what it sounds like when I eat an In-N-Out burger, and it, it sounds like a wolf digging into a carcass. Um. But yeah, um, so I'd make some of that sauce. I'd do a little double smash burger with um, with uh, sharp cheddar cheese. Um, big cheddar cheese guy here, and uh, you know I would probably in in Arby's fashion try to get me some grilled mushrooms up under the cheddar cheese on on both you know buns right there. Because I, I mean I'm I'm a I love mushrooms. I just me do, too. and probably some grilled onions too. Like I kind of like you know a little bit of cheese, a little bit of onion, yeah, a little stone cold <laughs> et. So. Uh, White Castle burgers, ain't oh, nothing like nothing like Stone Cold ET and the White Castle. Much away on this show right now. <laughs> yeah. We're losing everybody, but yeah, that'd be it. I mean, I, I, I'm not, I'm not super, I'm not super involved when it comes. But I don't have that barbecue sauce or anything like that. I do. I mean, your lettuce well, guy? Do you take your lettuce? Let let I mean, let I, tomato, I, onion, with or without, it doesn't matter. The caramelized um, onion, I think, is a great. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. I mean, and you know, th there's a, there's a little joint here in town and Jefferson, uh, friends, Jefferson grill. I mean, I'm listen, I I'm not big on eating at kind of those general restaurants or whatever, but they do buy one, get one burgers on Tuesday. We'll probably may, maybe go eat there tomorrow. Who knows? Uh, but, uh, we go by there, dude, they cook a good burger, good bison burger. Um, but uh, I recommended her the uh, the Ninja Burger from uh, Blind Pig. That was my, yeah. That was my old go to. Some blue cheese crumble, some hot sauce, some fresh. I just don't do blue cheese. It hits me. It hits my palate wrong. No, nah, I understand. I understand. It's not. It's not everybody's thing. You, 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 know, you, have, you have a child's palate. You you like um, <laughs> ranch. I get it. Uh, <laughs> so. <laughs> I won't ever have ranch on a burger. I you're promise. a chicken. You're a chicken tender person. That's fine. Mm. <laughs> and ain't nothing wrong with chicken. Tender. No, no, I I get it. And uh, honestly, clocked made a great burger too. Oh yeah, hundred percent. They 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 do a cream cheese jalapeno burger that is really outstanding. So yeah, um, those are kind of my two suggestions to her. So I'm gonna pass your recipe along to her and uh, get her to make some up. Yeah, yeah, a little little McDonald's burger, a little uh, homemade Big Mac. I will say this: one of the best burgers I've ever had is in New Orleans at like Cochon the Butcher. Ooh, that uh, they the Le Pig, Pig Mac. Mac, the Le Pig Mac with uh, with the um, ground pork is just fantastic. Eat the Le Pig Mac and then get some of that Snickers pie after um, nap time. <laughs> yes. Immediately, little, the items. 
You got the itis. Yeah, the itis. All right, guys, that's it. And listen, that's it for uh, we will not be back with you until July. And who knows when we'll be back in July. Um, this is one of those things where, uh, you know, just keep an eye out. We could come back at any point. You never know. Like, yeah, Phoenix I mean, like, the I, ashes. My, my vision is that we're going to do this kind of like a special event thing. We'll probably pre record some stuff, maybe. We might throw something up on the channel. So be on the lookout for Bark After Dark. Don't necessarily set your calendar for uh, Monday, 9 p.m., uh, yeah. but we might have some uh, special appearances over the course of this summer. But uh, yeah, if some, if some stuff works out, it works out. But, you know, I got, you know, Roos has got a wedding. I got vacation. I've not got my own wedding. wedding. That's so we're clear. It's not, He's officiating I, the wedding. I am. I'm a, I, the Reverend Roos. Well, listen, is, uh, just before we get off here, both of us are <laughs> licensed wedding wedding officiants. That, that okay? is, like both, both of us have actually performed a wedding. We we have we've we've talked about getting a billboard and you know putting <laughs> dog, dogs HQ you know weddings by dogs HQ on there and fish, we will come officiate your wedding. Rusty um, Mansell will come. Uh, will come give your groomsman's toast. Yes, so. absolutely. It'll be amazing. We make it. We make it talk. Jeff Sintel in the coming in there and giving a speech Paul, as well. Palmer, Palmer will bring cocktail shrimp to your table. Uh, so. Yeah. So if uh, if you're getting married this summer, and uh, you would like somebody to officiate your wedding, and you're not too far away. Give us a call. Both of us can do it. Both of we us have experience. It. So Hell, we'll do it together if you'd like. Yeah, one hundred percent. That's that's even better. If you give that, listen. I and I most for most of the time I work for bo- f- uh, food and booze. So <laughs> just so we're clear, not a surprise. No, that's 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 what I get paid at with Dogs HQ too. So. Nobody's surprised. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so uh, the rest of the summer for Dogs HQ, um, and I'm sorry, not Dogs HQ, but for Bark After Dark. Just keep an eye out if something works out and we can pre-record something or we can get something together. Um, we definitely will, but we don't have any shows planned for the month of June. And uh, but we'll be back, and we'll be back with some good guests, and hopefully some repeat guests. Uh, I can't wait to talk to Dean Leggy again. Oh, we got to get him back on. We got to do a wrestling podcast with Rusty. Absolutely. And uh, I've I've got a feeling we haven't seen the last of Matt Godwin either. So uh, you guys um, tune in. And uh, um, I hate to borrow from part of my take here, but we do love you. We love you a whole lot. So y'all take care. Thank you for tuning in. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.